You're listening to Dave and Dia, a podcast about basketball, life, and the Portland Trailblazers. Please keep all hands and arms inside the window and welcome your hosts, Dave Decker and Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, Blazers Edge podcast. I am Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Decker. Dave, how are you? How are you feeling? It's been a big week. What's going on? I mean, it's been a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. I mean, the Trailblazers won three games in a row, and the last one was particularly thrilling and wonderful. In the meantime, the country falls apart. Yay! I mean, (laughs) so you got some of each. Amid this gloom, though, and this fog that everyone seems to be in, at least the Blazers have put in some nice wins, and certainly that's a lot better than the last time we talked, which was right after that Bulls game at midnight when they had just lost in crushing fashion. So it shows you, you know, what goes down must come up. Yeah, I feel like we should, I mean, uh, us podcasting at midnight after a terrible loss is is maybe not the best recipe for success, but we we got through it and here we are. Today is, is a new day. We've had three wins since then. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a weird thing. Ever since the beginning of the pandemic, when basketball shut down, the NBA shut down and and we're dealing with as a country all these not only a a worldwide pandemic but all these social justice issues and things that are happening and it's like how do you find a place for where basketball fits into that and and i feel like that a little bit right now with everything that's going on in the country there are days where i feel kind of bad for really enjoying this and really kind of getting lost in it but i also am grateful for that i'm grateful for the opportunity to watch something that i love that brings me joy i i'm grateful for these players that we have that use their platform to try to create change and and so you know, in, in the midst of our world falling apart, at least we have the Trailblazers. Yeah, well, I'll tell you where my life is. This is the third podcast I've done in the last 28 hours. Uh, the first one was on uh, John chapter 1 and Jesus calling disciples. Actually, I think, no, this one was on Mark chapter 1. Uh, but anyway, uh, the second one was on parenting. And now there's this one with the Trailblazers. So, But I feel like, in a weird way, they're all in a vortex together. Like, we never know what our calling's going to be or how we're going to change the world. And often it happens in very humble ways, like talking about basketball or playing basketball. And everybody needs something to hold on to, including children, including their parents. And what actually happens in front of you may not be as important as how you stick together and, and how you uplift each other through it and find your common core ideas identity of whatever is goodness to you. And basketball also operates somewhat on those principles. So, I mean, it all fits. And it's weird because my world, which used to be radically separated, I mean, it was sliced up into pieces that never touched. Now, all of a sudden, it's just like everyone else. Dave in the midst of the storm, and here's this piece, and here's that piece, and uh, let's stick them together. So I don't think you should be ashamed about enjoying basketball at all. In fact, I think that's one of the things that changes the world. We saw the NBA do it overtly with the Black Lives Matter jerseys and logos on the floor and all that. People who follow them and talk about these things can also make positive changes. 
basketball is is a reality show essentially we're watching something actually happen in real time in front of us and i think anything where people have the opportunity these people that are celebrities to us ordinary people we're watching them on tv and they have this opportunity to speak up and to say something and and like i said to to use their platform and i think they've done that so well and i think that's a silver lining in the midst of all of this madness but it definitely is a mushy mess of intertwining pieces not only for you dave but for all of us and for the Blazers and for the players and, you know, just this, it's hard to separate things anymore. Right. But I want to say though, how, how do we know that our basketball upbringing doesn't influence things for the good? For instance, Portland Trailblazers fans are notorious for hating score first, me first ball hogs, right? I mean, these are the, the fans that celebrated Buck Williams and Ryan Grant, you know, who scored in the low double digits, but grabbed a lot of rebounds, sacrificed themselves, played good defense, always played hard. Those guys are really the heart of the Blazers experience. And when you get a guy who's just like, I'm all about me, I'm going to take all the shots, I'm going to dribble the ball into the floor, he better be excellent or Blazer fans are just going to go, I don't care if you score 20, I don't like you right? Well, there's some applicability to how we're dealing with all these issues. There are a lot of people who say, if it's good for me, it's good, period. And whatever I say goes, and it's all about me, 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 like the 20 point scorer who never passes it and never puts in the extra work. And then there are people who quietly make a difference, who do the stuff that keeps us together and keeps us going. And I would argue that the way we've learned to view the team game of basketball also influences or can influence the way we view the team game of life or politics or interaction and it's actually not that hard to tell who the jerk is and who the who the guy you want on your team is it's just a crazy world right now there's just really no other way to say it you can't sugarcoat it you can't avoid talking about it i feel like we would be remiss to come on this show and to stick our heads in the rainbows and butterflies and just skip right over it i think there's oh, geez. It, and, I, it was unicorns i thought wasn't it rainbows and well, unicorns it's it's all encompassing the okay. unicorns the but, rainbows the butterflies but i mean now we got I have it all. to redo my birthday cross stitch for you if it's rainbow <laughs> and butterfly. it has to be unicorns just just slap a butterfly on there and call it good <laughs> a unicorn with a butterfly tattoo <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, it's just it's just a wild time that we're living in. And I think I know that this is not necessarily basketball related, but just a reminder to everyone who's listening to, you know, to take care of yourself and to take care of your friends and your family and also strangers and people you don't know. Just be kind. We all need a little bit of that kindness. We all just especially right now, we need a little bit more than normal, I think. Even Lakers fans? Yeah, you know, I mean, even Lakers fans. Oh, wow. We've reached a cosmic (laughs) unity with the the evil empire. Okay. (laughs) No, I I agree. Bringing it back to basketball. (laughs) That's right. I I completely agree. And, And look, we... One of the hallmarks of Blazer's Edge is we do care about community and we care about you. All of you who are coming here to the site or the podcast because either you need an escape or you need to know somebody's there or you need to hear a familiar voice or just talk about something that makes you feel good. We are proud to do that and happy you are here and you're not alone. 
and we will stick together and sanity will in the end win out it always does sometimes you have to go through some 2005s before you can get to the 2019s in terms of in blazer terms you know so i mean you go through oops drafted sebastian telfair didn't quite work out everything's falling apart and then on the horizon comes your brandon roy and your damian lillard and it turns around and your western conference finals and it'll work like that eventually trust in each other care for each other stick with us and we'll all see it together now toronto oh boy i want to skip right ahead the first two wins Woo! okay that was great but oh Wait, that you toronto skipped two win. games i know you but toronto oh toronto oh carmelo anthony ennis Cantor finally i mean bending the game like way more to the positive than to the negative and then uh cj mccollum holy oh, man that buckets. man is on fire okay so talk to us about any one of those things i go ahead i just want to say this first and foremost i was right i was right and you dave you were right too there is no competition there is no okay, hold on hold on <laughs> I was preparing myself. I was instinctively stealing myself because every time I read, I was right, pounding the table. I was right. And here it comes. And Dave. And I'm ready for, oh, no. What did I say? I was this wrong. One, this for once, we were, we were, I mean, not for once. We're often on the same page, but we were very much on the same page of this. And I'm going to say this once, and then it can die, but never, ever in life. Should we ever again consider trading CJ McCollum for James Harden ever again? Okay, can we just say the man has very much proven himself to be perfectly efficient and a much better, more responsible, a much happier pick of a person than James Harden. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say. Okay, first of all, I mean, I got to ask, can I still have Chris Middleton though? I mean, if, if... if we can get if it costs me cj mccollum no oh i i my my, all bets are off all the trade deals that i was open to before this season began that included cj mccollum i am embarrassed to even discuss anymore because that man needs to stay on the blazers and i love him forever like i always will clyde drexler okay so the value is going to go up but i would still take middleton there are a couple i think moves because gary trent but anyway, let's leave that up. I don't want to dim your, let's not go into trade talk. I just wanted to ask, just as a procedural thing. We still differ on that. But the, the list is small uh, of people you trade him for. My question but- is, look, look, CJ really took the Damian Lillard role in that game. I mean, yeah. the, the, he took it down the stretch. He took the big shots. Is there a real changing of the guard going on here? And I don't mean Dame's going to retreat, but has CJ stepped up to that co-equal level to where he is just every bit as much? It's no longer one and one A, but it's literally one and one. Is is that happening in front of our eyes, do you think? Or is this like a burst of early season glory and then we're going to settle back into normal? Look, I mean, this is going to sound hypocritical because I'm always like, guys, we're only 10 games in. Like, it's still early. We're only- 10 games in but we are 10 games in and cj mccollum is doing it game after game after game night after night after night i think he's here to stay i hope he's here to stay because this is the cj mccollum that i want to see and i think this cj mccollum combined with damian lillard you know again adding in that piece of yusuf nurkic 
we got to get him, we got to get him here. But you add that, you add in, you know, all these other pieces that I don't need to even name because you all know who we're talking about. We have a contending team that is fighting for a shot here. CJ McCollum like this with Damian Lillard, how we're used to Damian Lillard, go ahead and come at me. But I would say is quite possibly the best backcourt in the league. A lot of people are saying that right now. Uh, certainly the best offensive backcourt in the league. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, but hey, <laughs> look, you got to ride it while you have it. And they are showing everything. And it's literally, it feels to me like somewhere there was an agreement or maybe even just a tacit agreement that when CJ is running hot, this is going to be CJ's year. And Dame has done everything he can short of taking this team to the finals. And he cannot do that alone at this point. So it would make some sense. And, you know, look, uh, for CJ too, he's been here almost as long as Lillard has. He's always been a distant, way distant second in acclaim. He's never been seriously discussed for an all-star team. And Lillard has been snubbed a couple of times, but everybody knows who he is. And he's been multi-time All-Star, and he's gotten some MVP votes. CJ has never gotten the opportunity to be third in the league in scoring. He's never gotten the opportunity to really consistently take the crunch time, dame time shots. So, look, if that's going on, especially early in the season... I think I'm all for it. If it's a happy accident, that's okay too, because I am nervous a little bit long-term. I don't think CJ is Dame, and I prefer it the way it was a little bit. But if this is what needs to happen to get CJ out of his shell and producing like this and happy, I'm there. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over time, because I don't see Dame taking a back seat all season. I don't think that's who he is. I don't think that's in his DNA. Now, granted, I also think part of who Dame is, is he's somebody who can adjust and mold and bring out the best in people while taking a back seat when needed. But I don't think that his talent is best served taking a back seat. We need him. We need him to be his full Dame self. And I think, you know, again, I keep being shocked when I look at the numbers every night. I'm like, oh my gosh, he scored so much. But because we're so used to him scoring so much and because CJ's going off, it kind of gets pushed to the side and you almost don't even realize it's happening. I hope that we see a happy medium which means Dame at his best and CJ at his best. That would be my happy medium. I want to see both of them playing at this extremely high level. I think, man, can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would look like? I just, I mean, I'm trying to think of who I would even compare that to, but like, I would just love to see the two of them playing at their highest levels together. Yeah, it's a little hard because both of them really play their best when they have the ball and control. But the Blazers are getting that by doing the thing that we surmised they would do once we saw they didn't get a backup point guard, which is simply sliding one or the other into that point guard role basically at all times, at least at all times that matter. This week, Anthony Simon's playing time has gone down, I don't know if actually by minutes, but you haven't seen him come in with the bench unit. Basically, it's been CJ. Look, keeping Dame's minutes down is great too. Uh, I'm all for that. Basically, they are willful. Farrell and that other guy who's always in the movie with Will Farrell and I don't remember his name. Uh, but there is still a Will Farrell there. And that's Dame. 
that is always going to be Lillard, it, it, unless something's physically wrong with him, will need to reemerge. But I have confidence, A, that it will be there. And I also have confidence. Well, f- first of all, I have confidence it'll be there because we saw it in the Minnesota game, right? Remember when we talked after Chicago and what did we say? What's going to fix this? Dame coming to the forefront. And very next game, he did. Minnesota yeah. game was Lillard's, okay? I also have confidence that this needed to happen a little bit for CJ's sake, if not for the team's sake. And I believe they're good with that. And I believe that this is worth a try to make sure that CJ gets boosted. So as you say, we have the best CJ possible and then see what happens. Yeah, it's been so fun. I mean, I just, these last three games have been just fun to watch. It's fun to win, Dave. It's really, really fun to win. We're seeing what I was hoping to see. We're seeing them start to gel, start to mesh, start to find their spots, start to play as a team, start to work off each other. I'll tell you what was maybe the most satisfying thing was in that Toronto game where the end of that game, it really kind of ended up coming down to Mello and CJ and a defensive play. We won off a defensive play and I am so stinking proud of us. Right. Um, You have Covington in there, obviously, but again, the hidden ingredient that we talk about every single stinking week is Yusuf Nurkic. And he has started to round back into form. Now, he had that discussion with Jason Quick saying some of the things we had been saying about, you know, personal stuff and what have you, that something's going on. No surprise there. At the same time, that seemed to be a little bit of a catharsis. I'm not buying the line that, oh, well, we need to see who's on my team. Uh, sorry, you're on the Blazers team. <laughs> That's not the responsibility of the whole world to be on your team, no matter what happens. That said, there is basic human support that goes out to Nurkic, and there is basic hope that all this will come together for him. I think we started to see it a little bit basketball-wise this week, that he reemerged after that cathartic interview. Really, he's moving a little better. He seems to realize his own importance a little bit more. Uh, certainly, the connection Connections are better. He's still got some turnovers in there, but you're starting to see better passes. You're certainly starting to see better help defense. And it looks a little, it's not near Nurkic of old, but it looks like a better version of use of Nurkic, which definitely has made a difference. We talked about this a little bit before he had that little interview and we were saying that maybe there was something going on that we didn't know about. And we talked about how we need to remember that these guys are people first and that they have stuff going on in their lives that can affect how they play. And then Nurk came out and said that. And I think just the pure act of coming out and saying, hey, everything's not okay. I'm struggling. And this is true of not just in Nurk's case, but in human nature in general, sometimes you don't have to give details, but sometimes just coming out and saying, hey, I'm not myself. What you're seeing is not myself and I'm struggling and I don't want to get into it, but this is what it is. There's this sense of relief that comes with that, I think, sometimes in in knowing that other people know that you're dealing with something. And I think for Nurk, especially, who's judged based on his performance week after week after week, knowing that his performance was struggling because of whatever issue this is going on, I think to be able to come out and say, look, I'm still Nurk. I'm still the player that I was. I'm just struggling. I have something going on. I'm dealing with it. I wonder if just that revelation alone allowed him to kind of 
lift some weight off his shoulders and play a little bit more like himself. Because after that, we started to see that a little bit. And every passing week should bring him in better physical condition, too, which certainly helps. But for our purposes, too, look at what happens. Just you can watch possessions. Look at what happens when Robert Covington or Derek Jones Jr. has someone out on the perimeter and the difference between there's somebody behind them to back up and help or there's nobody behind them. When there's nobody behind them, they actually look semi-mediocre. I mean, look, they look better than James Harden, but they're not really stopping guys. Uh, Players drive past them, players get open shots, as they do against most NBA players. That's the way the league is set up right now. When there is someone behind them, all of a sudden, their ability to play to one side or the other, their natural athleticism and their aggressiveness really tell the story because now I can get up in this guy. Now I can gamble. Now I can get physical. And I know that if he goes to one direction, I'm not watching. Someone else is going to be there and we're just going to trap him. It's the magic ingredient that makes them the great defenders they could be. And that in Portland's scheme right now is basically on the center. So you saw it happening in some of these games. It's just the secret sauce that is going to turn Portland's defense from actually pretty bad to mediocre, basically. And mediocre is about what they need. I mean, if they ever get great, that's fine. But I don't think that'll happen with this backcourt or with this bench. But mediocre really will get them quite a long way, I think. I think we can be great. Defensively? Yep. Wow. It's a Dia Miller prediction. I'm just saying, I think we can. I, I think defense is the kind of thing that can be worked on more so than maybe offense. I mean, you can work on your hustle and your on your defense easier than you can work on your ability to shoot the ball, in my opinion. So I, I think it can. I think it can get better. I don't think we're dealing with people who don't know how to play defense. I mean, I just think it's not working. And I think some of that falls on the players, but I also think some of that falls on the coaching decisions. And and I think there are things that can be tweaked and done that, yeah, I think they can be great defensively. Do I think they will be? I, I, I don't know, but I hope so. Every coaching decision that brings in Carmelo Anthony, although he did well in that fourth quarter. Against I was going to say, yeah. you can't, you can't do that this time because, you know, Nurk went out with his, with his mm-hmm. calf injury, you know, Stotts had a decision to make there. He had some bigger guys that were on the bench that could have stepped in and, and kind of filled that role for Nurk, but Who's he went a different. Cantor? Cantor's not going to defend. So I mean, I mean Giles. Uh, he, Giles got a little bit of play in Sacramento. He looked okay. He was certainly more athletic, but he might not be. Look, the coach might not be seeing much more in him than we're seeing right now, as much as I, I actually think he deserves more of a chance. So that's why I'm saying is that there's, there's limitations. I don't want to ding Carmelo. He did well in the Toronto game. But every coaching decision that involves bringing in Ennis Cantor or Carmelo Anthony or, in some ways, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum or Anthony, Anthony Simons is not going to improve the defense. And Rodney Hood right now, maybe. I mean, Hood actually developed into a little bit of a good defender when he was healthy and really rolling with the Blazers. But that hadn't been his history. And he's obviously slower and a bit heavier than he was, which means he's not a great defensive option right now either. <laughs> You just made my point. He didn't used to be, and then he developed into it. So there's no reason that we can't have that happen. Perhaps. I mean, 
again, this was hood, though. I mean, positing that Carmelo Anthony is suddenly going to develop defensive chops or Ennis Cantor. I'm, not, bit of a I'm not saying it's likely. Uh-huh. I'm just saying it's not impossible. Well, and I'd like to cling to that little sliver of hope. Maybe clinging to um, the mutual defense uh, would would be a possibility. But yeah, I mean, look, I would love to see them. If they're great, they're a contender. If they're great defensively, they're a contender, period. It's just going to be a real hard road for them. Or they make a midseason consolidation trade that makes that a lot easier. And I think that's possible. But like I said, maybe they don't have to be. Maybe they can be a good defensive team, middle of the road defensive team, just fine. And if they do that, I think they will win more than they lose. And they'll be a really good team. I'm excited, especially after seeing these last few games. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see where the season goes. I think, you know, we're coming now off a three-game winning streak, which is great. That's a really good streak for 10 games in. And especially in this in in the current state of the NBA, the way that it is with everything else going on and the way that teams are playing, three games in a row is, is a good solid start. So again, we're kind of seeing them start to play together and play better. There were several points in all of those games where I thought, and I think I actually even tweeted, like, this is the team I want to see. This is what I want. This is how we should be playing. And so we're getting glimpses of that. We're getting flashes of that. Now, the key is going to be, can we keep it? Can we hold it together? Can we play an entire game that way? Because if we can, I think we're going to be tough to stop. Well, and this is the kind of season, this is a little bit of a board gamey season. The goal of a lot of board games, you precisely don't know who's going to win, right? If you already know who's going to win, you're not even playing. But you make little moves along the way that amass a couple points here, a couple points there. And at the end, you have more than anybody else. I don't believe, maybe some Lakers aside, that this is going to be a tour de force for anybody in the NBA, all right? That this is going to be a season, like you said, where little things matter and little things can make a difference. And early season wins, even if they're against weaker teams, can put the Blazers unapologetically in a higher seed than someone else. And they're going, well, you only won two more games than we did. And we, you know, okay, but we won those two more games back in January than you did. And that is why we're here. And in this season, that's enough. I think the Blazers will pocket if they continue going on this way, winning, they will pocket some important wins, even if they're not really credible or indicative wins. Uh, A win against Sacramento uh, could be critical uh, in this year. So, look, I'm, you know, the instinct is to say, well, kind of weak opponent, sure. But A, they didn't lose to those weak opponents, which they had been a little bit earlier. And B, that win's still really valuable right now. I mean, yeah. look at look at the West. I think before these games, 90% of the West had four losses, basically. Like, yeah. everybody's bunched yeah. together. Get those extra wins while you can get them and make other people complain. A win is a win. It doesn't matter if it's by one point or if it's by 50 points. It doesn't matter if it's to the best team or the worst team. I mean, I guess technically it matters. But a win is a win as far as our record is concerned. And at the end of the day, the team with the most wins wins. If we can keep winning those games and get ourselves into the playoffs, then that's when it starts to matter who we're playing and who we're winning against. But right now, like we just, we got to get those wins, like you said, where we can get them. I mean, obviously there are certain games and against certain teams that it matters more if we win because it affects their record as well. 
But I, I mean, we can get into all that. But at the end of the day, ultimately, a win is a win, and we need to get those wins. Right, and, and that's what we're doing. Shortened season too. Only seventy-two games. Yep. Every win is worth more by percentage, and I think in this year, every win carries more weight. It just does. Your three-game winning streak in the middle of January is something to celebrate. I think I agree with you wholeheartedly there, especially since the last time we talked, it was a losing streak to the Chicago bulls that never, ever, ever, ever should have happened. And it was certainly demoralizing and they bounced right back. And there, there's another story of the week. Look, as soon as Dame took over that Minnesota game and got it, the Blazers back on the right track, All of a sudden, they started looking better. Everybody exhaled. And now the win against Sacramento was more or less procedural. They did play really good defense in that game, I thought. But you know, you knew what was happening as it happened, and they won. And then they got down to Toronto, and you're going like, oh, here it goes. Here's a reality smack in the face, whatever. And like, okay, we got down 20, but we're not going to quit. And they come back, and they win it by one, which is part of Toronto's MO, too. This is not the first time that's happened to them. But those are important those stories are important the texture of the week matters because the stories before were also indicative the Nurkic story the losing to the Bulls to all that what happened this week this turnaround matters and it matters more right now because of where the team is and what they have to do than it has for years, any of these types of stories. So I, I love it. I'm all on board. And uh, if the Blazers can keep it up, imagine if they could turn it into a six or seven game winning streak. That's going to be pretty darn powerful. Yeah, it is. I was actually, I just looked up the standings right now. And in the Western Conference, the only team with less losses than four is the Lakers. And they have three. And we are currently in fifth place. There are there are obviously four teams in front of us. Um, three of them with seven wins, and then obviously the Lakers with nine. But even in the Eastern Conference, there's only one team. So there are two teams in the entire NBA with less than four losses, and that's the Celtics and the Lakers each have three losses. So we actually are doing pretty darn well for ourselves as, as far as that goes. And, and I think if we can keep it up, you know, this is it's still really anybody's game. When you're playing board games, I know it's totally geeky, but there are like little cards that the, you play at the beginning of the game that are like weak cards or whatever that get you a little something. And they're not going to win you at the end of the game. You play that in the final hand and you're like, that, you're, you lose. But at the point of the game which you play them, they are critically important and they gave give you an edge. This week was that card. Look at the alternative. What would have happened if the Blazers had gone one and two this week? What would we be talking about? We would be talking about depression. We would t- be talking about whether there need to be changes. We would be talking about whether they could recover. They would be looking at each other and going, is this the right chemistry? Is this the right mix? Who knows? We have to go out and prove it. We still haven't done it. This week changed a lot. Now, here's the question. The Blazers can be good. We know that. The Blazers can turn it around. We've seen that this season and before. Not a matter of whether the Blazers can be good. Now they have to show whether we can trust them and whether they can trust each other. And they have to realize that the next few games are the next few cards that are to be played. And that's one of the main reasons to make sure that they go out and do well, because otherwise, in another two weeks, we're going to be looking at this and going, that turnaround was pretty brief. And even though we know they can be good, they're not going to do it every night. So it almost doesn't matter. Yeah, they got to find their groove. I mean, we've talked about this a million times. You know, they're, 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 we're seeing glimpses of it. We're seeing flashes 
flashes of it. We're not seeing it all together every game all the time. That being said, they're, you know, at least right now, they're doing what they need to do to win. And a win is a win. I keep saying, you know, they're doing what they need to do to win. I'm hoping that we're going to see that consistency start to happen and we're going to see them start to level out. And and guys, especially like Nurk, I, I really hope we get we get normal Nurk back, you know, or what the Nurk that we're used to. I, I hope that he, you know, is able to deal with the stuff that he's got going on. I, I hope for the best of the turnouts with that. And I hope that we get Nurk back to his normal self. Well, and you've quasi called out Carmelo Anthony by praising him. He looked great in that fourth quarter of the Toronto game. So if that game mattered and that quarter mattered, why doesn't the second quarter of the next game matter? I mean, it needs to, right? Uh, And Gary Trent Jr. looking great. Same thing, although he's younger, so has more leeway. Uh, Obviously, Lillard and McCollum already know this. Make the little things matter so that the wins happen. And even if they're small wins, obviously, as they accumulate, but even in defining the identity of this team that so desperately needs one this year, that will matter. And it happens by not taking so many of those dips that you see, uh, that you referenced, by, by being trustworthy for each other on most every play, most every quarter. If they can do that, they're gonna do really well. It just feels like we're so close to that team that we see on paper. You know, I I keep saying it that way because I think that's the best way for me to explain what I mean. But like on paper, this team is solid. And I just feel like we're so close to seeing them actually perform the way they look like they're going to perform on paper. And I get excited. I mean, I, I know it's not maybe time yet to get excited because we're only 10 games into the season and we've still got 62 to go. I get that. But also like, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see them start to find it. It's exciting. I love to win. I want to win all the games. Do you, do you run? Do you ever run? I hate running. I mean, I, I have in the past, but I absolutely despise to the core of my soul to run. Excellent. Uh, So this will be lost (laughs) on you, but that's okay. So when you're running, you never know at the beginning how this is going to go, what kind of day it's going to be. But by the time you're about a sixth or a seventh through, you've got an idea whether this is great, mediocre, or otherwise. Now, it's not that that can't change. It does. Sometimes things happen midway through. But usually this is about the time when you do start to get a clue. I think this NBA season is kind of going to be like that, that it's going to be over the next two or three weeks. Not that the standings get determined. That doesn't happen until the end. But when we watch these Blazers, we're going to know a little bit about what kind of season it's going to be. Look, if they turn out where they have holes that keep coming up every night, even if they go on a long streak after the All-Star break, which is their MO, That doesn't mean those are going to be fixed. They're going to pop back up in the playoffs. But if they can fill those and really develop some momentum right now, this could be a really good run. And I think you're going to get your wish. But it's not automatic. I mean, we can't have it just by wanting it. And again, I would drill down into, if we're going to say these wins are important, then various quarters and events and plays within the win are important and that's fair to demand of this team that they develop some consistency if nothing else consistency of hustle and consistency of effort uh on both ends of the floor so that we begin to see the payoff for all this potential i think there's so much to be said for the fact that 
there is so much about this game that is a mental game. And and we see things like that in the fact that the Blazers always struggle in the third quarter. There's no legitimate reason for that to always be the case. I think it's a mental thing. I think they know that they typically struggle in the third quarter. And so mentally that's there. I, you know, I just, I think there are so many with mellow, and, you know, with what you're bringing up, how he tends to do better at the end in clutch situations, he tends to do better, you know, in that last quarter, that has to be mental. It's not like he's suddenly getting a supercharge in the last quarter. These are things that are so that, that, that are mental. And I just think that there's so much going on right now that is out of their control. And there's so much going on that is out of ordinary that asking them to then adjust all of those mental things as well. It's got to be it's got to be rough. And I I just wonder what that's going to look like. Well, I mean, look, though, I think originally there was a reason that they did not excel in third quarters. When it started, it's because they had systemic weaknesses and NBA teams, as much as you do the shoot around or whatever, during the regular season, NBA teams tend to come in and play like they play. I mean, they don't they don't really make huge adjustments, most of them game to game. If there are a couple of obvious ones, that's great. But I'm talking about they don't change their style night to night. They usually come into game playing like they are now. The coach will tell you, you know, the Blazers are going to be this and they'll have these weaknesses and they'll do these things. And you're coming in and normal NBA team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you play your way through the first and second quarters. And then the coach goes, you see, do you see it out there? And you go, yep, yep, I see it. It's on display. We'll adjust in the third quarter. And bing, there you go. And the Blazers are particularly vulnerable to that or were because they had weaknesses that were obvious and consistent and people were able to take advantage. That was That's at the fair. beginning beginning of the story i think now it's become a mental thing you know right, it has become right. like it's so ingrained that all of a sudden there's this third quarter curse i don't think the players talk about it probably but there's this, no you know how it the is the rest of us sure do though yeah and it's like being it's like being on a date without confidence like you go and you think oh man i'm not gonna do very well she's not gonna like me or he's not gonna like me and then the other person scratches their head and you go oh no that was it that's the sign that this is gonna suck and the other person just had a random itch you know and you, right, you create right. your own <laughs> destiny right the Blazers, I think, have engaged in some of that over the years as well. Here's the thing, though. Here's the opportunity. It's manifestly not true this year. They have a very different team with very different strengths and weaknesses. All they have to do, I think, is make that mental shift in order to overcome this and say, you know what? That was old Blazers. We are going to play hard every play, including the third quarter, and we're going to take this. And if they do, that whole third quarter thing is going to disappear like mist uh, in front of a fan. But unless they do that, I think they still create their own destiny. And by the way, that can also be true of the playoffs. It can also be true of a hot start or not a hot start. I think they're countering it with C.J. McCollum right now. I'm not sure that's part of the intentional plan. But C.J. always starts slow, except for now. <laughs> now he's yeah. starting as, one of the, as an MVP candidate. That in itself shows that this can be done. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. I just feel like... This season is so far out of the norm of anything we've seen before that it's like there's it's just one curveball after another. And I just almost don't even know what to expect anymore. Right. Get the curveballs, though. Yeah, I think we will. I think we're going to get there. I think that this season is going to turn out to be a good one. 
Why? Why? To, to what characteristics? I'm not challenging you. I actually agree with you, but I want to hear, I want more from you. Like, why do you think this Blazers team in particular is set up to now hit those off-speed pitches that are coming in? Have you met me, Dave? It's unicorns and rainbows. Yes, I know it's you, but what about them as well? <laughs> no, I know. I, you know, I, again, I, I feel like these are things we've gone over and over and over again, but you know, We've got Dame, who we don't even really need explanation for. Right, we got an MVP candidate. Right. CJ oh. McCollum is killing it. He's upped his game. He's playing better than he's ever played before and is rivaling Dame as that MVP candidate. We've got Nurk, who I hesitate to say that just because of the issues he's having, but I know he's there and whatever it is that's going on with his family and with his personal life, I don't imagine that it's going to last the entire season. I think we're going to reach a point where Nurk is going to get back to himself and, and he's going to be that piece that we need. On top of that, we've added Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr. We've added these defensive pieces that can kind of help Harry Giles. We've added these defensive pieces that we needed that can help us. You know, it, it was you were talking about Harkless and and um Amino. Thank you. My my brain. Full disclosure, I've been traveling today. I'm out of town recording this and my brain is just a little fuzzy, so I'm I'm struggling with the words. But we've added these extra people, these extra players to to fill these holes and and that essentially could be an upgraded version of those players that that are what took us to the Western Conference Finals. We have those pieces. You know, we've got Gary Trent Jr. who's a beast. We've got Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench. We have on paper again what it takes. It's just a matter of seeing it all come together. And I think it's there. Okay, so the argument is basically we have everything we had going into the 2019 Western Conference Finals run plus more. And by the way, some, though not all, of the players who are returning from that squad who have been around in the interim are playing better right now, uh, right. give or take a Nurkic. I can buy that. Part of the reason that they lost in those Western Conference Finals, in fact, got obliterated by an injured Golden State Warriors team, is that the Warriors, it wasn't just style of play. It was winning experience, winning commitment. Uh, it was knowing how to go again and again and again and again against an opponent's vulnerabilities and exactly where to strike. Having the smarts, the coaching staff, the everything that took all that those raw parts and put them together into a finely tuned machine. For all the Blazers are or could be, they are not nor have they in the Lillard era, except for maybe a brief gasp in 2014 with LaMarcus, LaMarcus Aldridge and all that. They're not a machine. And that's what has to develop. When this becomes routine, when we're talking about a three-game winning streak and we're going, yes, that is great, and don't miss what's going on, just because these three games are a part of a 10 out of 12 winning streak. Or it's not just the three games that they won, it's literally how they did it that matters when we can say that instead of going, Oh, let's open the present. Oh, it's a win. Yay. Then they will have made it. And that is the hill that they've got to climb this year. Because I would argue that we, we do know the things that you've said that it's there. They're right there. The team knows it. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. That said, what's there is not sufficient in itself to carry them where they want to go. 
So show us what we haven't seen from you. Show us what we don't know. Don't approach this season like, oh, this is a great opportunity. Approach it like this is your last chance. Because for some of these players, and maybe for the squad, it might be. Yeah, I agree. I think it is. I think I think if things, if we don't make it to the at least the Western Conference Finals this year, I expect to see things shaken up next year quite substantially. And I don't know how I feel about that, but I, I agree. I think you're right. Okay. So let me ask you a couple of things as we close. I'll prepare you. You can mentally prepare for them. Favorite player so far, maybe favorite game so far, favorite moment so far. And one thing you most hope to see over the next few weeks. Okay. So let's start with favorite player. I mean, what's your... <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I'm a I'm a big CJ fan right now. CJ's flown under the radar for me. I've always liked him. I've always thought he was a solid player. I've never wanted to lose him. But I am enjoying watching him play more than anyone else on that team right now. I think he's he's killing it. He's enjoying killing it. And I'm enjoying watching him kill it. I'm going to agree with you, and it's not just the bulk points, because as we talked about last week, I think those are coming a little bit from the expense of Damian Lillard's account. But the systemic and automatic nature with which he is shooting and assessing defenses and picking them apart, he looks right now every bit as dominant in his own way as Dame has on his normal nights. I mean, I'm not sure we've seen a Dame time CJ, you know, when Dame goes to that otherworldly angel planet that only Lillard can access. CJ's been around that orbit, but I don't think he's landed on that planet yet. But as far as CJ's normal nights are every bit as good right now and automatic and predictable as Damien's good nights. And yeah. that is a revelation. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite moment or a favorite something that sticks out of you? Favorite impression over the first uh, ten games or so? You know, I I'm really enjoying Derek Jones Jr. and his flight abilities. I'm enjoying watching him dunking the way he does. I don't remember having somebody who could do that the way that he does it on the blade on the blazers in the recent history. Am I missing someone? No, I think you really honestly have to go back to Rashid Wallace before you found someone yeah. who did it. young Rashid Wallace did it with repetitiveness and predictability. But yeah. after that, I mean, the Blazers have had some great dunkers, obviously. Right, when right. Brandon Roy got loose, he could throw it down, and there have been others. But as far as making that a routine part of the game, I think that's about where you are. Yeah, it's just, it's so much fun. Every time he does that, it's like my mouth drops, and I'm just shocked. <laughs> and I shouldn't be, but it's just, it, he does it with such gusto and he does it so effortlessly and it's just a thing of beauty and I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, mine I think would be Robert Covington and we're, both of us are liking the shiny new things, right? But uh, <laughs> it's uh, when the Blazers subtly let Covington's defense tell is what matters to me. Again, when he's out there on an island, okay, uh, you can't tell much difference totally. But... 
when he's back in the passing lanes and he knows it's clicking and he's reading the play and he's got support all around him and he can take that extra step and and overplay a little bit and come up with the steal. I love that because that I don't think the Blazers have had that for a while. Yeah. Even Aminu didn't quite have that thing. And Covington has the ability sometimes to turn the game with his defense. And that just kind of gives me the oh, little tickle up my spine. I kind of like that. All right. I also just really like his face. Like he just always looks so happy. He just like you. I mean, he fouled somebody yesterday and he's just smiling away. And I love that in a player. I know it has nothing to do with his game, but I just really like watching them look like they're enjoying him, themselves. And he just really looks like he loves it. Yeah, but look, that could be valuable, too, if that's what he's bringing to the locker room. I have no idea. But if that perception is true. One of the things that a team that's been together with the same personnel for a minute needs is someone who walks in and goes, do you guys know how good you have it? Do you know how good it is to be here? Do you know that this is something that is special or can be special? And I love being here. And it kind of renews everything. It's kind of like a married couple that's been married for 35 years. And then someone says, you two are so cute. And then you go, oh, yes, we are, right? We may can be- I have that? Like, can I have that job? Like, can that be a job description going into the locker room and telling them how great they are? Because I feel like I'd be really good at that. <laughs> assistant coach Dia that would be great I just I don't want to coach I don't want to give suggestions or advice I just want to walk in there and tell them that they're all doing great and that they're really lucky to be here and that we've got a good thing and that you know the rah rah yay go blazers I think that's called being a cheerleader, but I want like I want like a, a raise. I don't know. Like I know a some, step up from that. I know some media members who are like that. So I mean, we're, at least when things are going good, <laughs> we have bipolar media. Sorry, I don't mean to make I don't mean to make light of bipolar, <laughs> you know, disorder. I apologize for for that aspect of it. But have you ever noticed that people are like way up or way down, and it's like. Oh, you know, most of it's in the middle. Anyway, uh, hope for uh, the next few weeks. What do you What do you want to see? Do you have any big hope? Wait, first, yes. you said the favorite game, and you skipped that one. Oh, favorite game. Sorry. Yeah. Favorite game. Mm-hmm. The Lakers. <laughs> we beat the Lakers in L.A. Every time we do that is my favorite. I, there's there's never going to be a better feeling for me as a Blazers fan living in Los Angeles as beating the Lakers on their home court. I was stupid to ask, uh, but <laughs> I, I'm going to go with that Toronto game. I just thought that was fantastic. It that was, was the fist pumping game for me. Even beating the Lakers didn't equal it being down. And I know Toronto's been a little bit rocky, but they were playing well and they have some firepower on that side. Uh, some firepower yeah. I'd like to rage, by the way. But anyway, uh, that coming back and the big defensive play at the end, the big offensive plays that preceded it, I think that was the game. Uh, and that that game, I think, most resembled what was special about this team back in the Western Conference Finals run. That felt like those Blazers. And I absolutely yeah liked it although i was sad to see nurkic down with his contusion but i mean they made they made it work and and by the way <laughs> that also happened in 2019 so whatever uh yeah yeah anyway uh what do you want to see going forward the next not not big picture but just the next two weeks i want to see dame be dame i feel like he i i, I, I hesitate to phrase it that way 
because he's still going out there and killing it and being consistent every single night. And I don't fault him for that at all. But I think that I think that there's I don't even know if I can say a lack of fire because I think he's fired up. I just and and maybe this is the shift that we're talking about with with CJ. But I want to see Dame like I'm used to seeing Dame, whatever that means or looks like. I want to see him play that way. And I want to see CJ play the way he's played. I want to see them play that way together and see if that's maybe that's not possible. But I want to see if it is. That is what I want to see. Normally, I'd say Nurkic, but we talked about him enough. So I want to see actually Gary Trent Jr. excel in regular minutes, which is a two-way street. Obviously, the coaching staff would have to put him in, but he also has to prove why they should and and prove every time he's on the floor. And I think that would be exciting because, A, it ups the defense, and B, it's a sign that that whole backcourt kind of whirlwind thing is settling out in a predictable way, which I think will help. If anything, I mean, there are a lot of criticisms that people could make of the coaching staff, and it's always precarious because we don't know what's going on. Coach Stotts and company seem to have a loyalty, God bless them, to, for instance, Carmelo Anthony, to Rodney Hood, who was playing fantastically before he was injured, with good reason, okay? But at the same time, I think they got to be pretty draconian. I think they, if, if there are minutes to be had and two players fighting over them, the player that plays better gets those minutes. That's it. And I know I'm talking big because maybe I create a chemistry nightmare in the locker room that way, or I don't have to deal with the day-to-day implications. At the same time, I have a hunch that the team will fall in line behind that philosophy as much as they'll fall in line behind, we got to keep everybody happy and give everybody a chance. And I really feel like it's time for Trent Jr. to step up and for the coaching staff then to follow through and say, these are his minutes. And yep. I think that would be a boost to the Blazers over the next couple of weeks. I agree. I, I I absolutely agree. I think Gary Trent deserves a bigger role than he's getting. And I think I think the Blazers deserve for Gary Trent to have a bigger role than he's been getting. Nicely put. All right. Well, well you know. I, we can hear it in your voice. We know you've been traveling all day. Thanks for coming on anyway and doing the podcast. We always appreciate it. And uh, we, D and I, will be back with you again next week. Probably not from Las Vegas and various places or wherever you are now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, from, you know, uh, from our homes, hopefully well rested for the first time in three weeks. And yeah. uh, hopefully talking about another few Blazer wins. So until then, uh, for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard, and we'll see See you soon. This has been Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge production. Find more basketball talk at BlazersEdge.com. Watch your step as you exit, and we hope to see you again soon. Dave and Dia, what is that? A Swedish skin cream company?